Welcome back to Growing Up in the Wilds of Suburbia. I'm the host, Chad Everett Brochures. I had a couple of technical difficulties on the last recording, so I am looking. Hopefully I won't come across as being slightly distracted to make sure I don't have any technical difficulties this go around. Okay, so we did record uh, on chat with Chad over the weekend and I am still in the process of going through some of the wonderful joys of uh, developing, uh, editing, and getting ready to publish uh, the interview with Jim. We went over quite a few great topics. I, I great, absolutely grateful for your support and patience in the process. Uh, as you guys will find out when the the video is released or the episode is released, uh, specifically what we went over. Uh, it was a bit of a, it was a longer video. I, I personally do find that I'm much more, um, interested in doing longer videos. Oh, uh, to, because I think that there's a lot more subject that you can cover. You can get into different context of the subject, not necessarily just, Hey, I touched on the subject overview. So, uh, today's episode is more on uh, daring to create. Uh, so many of us seem to spend a lot of our time putting ourselves in a situation where we're tearing other people down or we're giving some sort of con um, contribution to a hostile environment for creating something different. As I've mentioned in previous videos about crabs in a bucket or ants in a bucket, this is one that I've recognized that a great deal of people seem to spend more time trying to come up with reasons not to be successful for other people but yet getting upset when other people seem to hold us back from becoming successful ourselves. So now it's time to talk about the courage. Oh, you may have done that. It doesn't mean you're convicted the rest of your life that you're going to be stuck in that type of situation. You, know, you very well may be in a situation that you know, you've, the childish element that's present when you're tearing somebody else down has no longer, um, no longer has that kind of value you're looking to hold on to. Oh, perhaps you were acting out of immaturity just so that you can feel like you stabilized yourself enough that you can move forward, you know, or at least feel comfortable in your environment that you might be able to start creating. I feel that a lot of things that whenever we get into these types of scenarios where we are trying to, you know, affect other people or create some sort of conversation around people that may be tearing another person down or a negatively directing attention towards somebody else. Maybe that you're just trying to plant fertile soil or create fertile soil for you to feel comfortable and confident that maybe you can move forward or do something and change your life. Oh, when I say dare to create, it does require a little bit of courage, you know, like getting in front of a microphone in a video recording and making an episode of something that's going to echo through the eternity of the internet brings a, a degree of concern and worry about looking good, not saying the wrong things and, you know, having people misinterpret what you have to say. You know, if you can imagine what it's like to try to hold a conversation with yourself. If you've ever been engaged in a conversation with me, you realize that I'm a very conversational type person, 
but leave me in a room by myself. And there's all kinds of different struggles that we all have, or at least that I've had and affirmed by everybody I share this with that. It's not easy to gauge how to have the conversation in a way that you're not worried that you'll lose your audience. Oh, you don't get the human inflection. You don't get those types of scenarios. I bring that up because this is what I'm working on. You know, I want to see better and more constructed opportunities for our future. And this is my current position I can speak on in an area that is not as developed in other areas in my life. So it's relatable to the area other people are trying to grow themselves out to. So dare to create. Oh, put it out there. Oh, do you want to sit there and just be like, you know what, one day I'm going to do it. Oh, I smoked cigarettes when I was uh, between 15 and 21. I'm now 40. Oh, I smoked for a bit. It was very challenging to quit smoking. But I did quit. And the reason why I quit, and I'll give, I'll, I'll tell the story. I actually think that some of my life stories may be entertaining. If nothing else, you may laugh at me. Uh, but I'll get to a couple of them. It all falls into the dare to create. So I, I started smoking at 15 with some of my high school friends that was on senior skip day. Uh, we went over to a friend's house that was in Ridge Manor because I lived in Brooksville at the time. And they're like, hey, you want a cigarette? And I'm like, you know what? What the hell? I'll take a cigarette. Oh, I've never wanted to smoke, but my friends are like, yeah, it's going to give you a buzz. You're going to get high off it and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything at all at the time. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll try it. So I took a hit off the cigarette and immediately, like I, I, the next thing I realized my, my face hit the floor because I fell out of my seat. I was so incredibly lightheaded by it. Oh, and that was it. It was done. There was no more buzz after that. You know, I was like, kept, I kept trying to chase the dragon, as they say in, in other addictions. Um, but I was chasing this thing to try to get the buzz again. And it didn't happen. But I realized that I was starting to go through multiple packs of cigarettes in the course of a week. And then eventually I was uh, actually in a relationship with this girl, Danielle, and you know, or woman, Danielle. She's uh, several years older than I was. Um, and my younger brother lived with us as well. And it was the day before New Year. So it was December 31st. And Danielle goes, we're going to quit smoking tomorrow. I'm like, that's news to me. Uh, and then she's like, yeah, we need to quit smoking. Uh, and at the time we had our own, you know, like relationship challenges. And I, I don't falter for anything. Actually, if nothing else, uh, it helped me kind of realize more things about myself. So thank you for that, Danielle. Uh, but my younger brother also, I'm like, Craig, we're going to quit smoking. Craig's like, what? I'm like, yep, we're quitting smoking. Because my younger brother also smoked at the time. The next day, no cigarettes. It was a little bit of a hectic eggshell type day in the house. The following day, again, no cigarettes, but then the attitude started to rise a little bit and it was noticeable. And then one day, I just, you know, I realized I was two weeks in and Craig had already confessed to me that he did slip and he had had another cigarette. And then I found out from Danielle, she was sneaking cigarettes when she was at work. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm, I'm on this thing now. I'm going to quit. Oh, so that I just stopped smoking. Oh, it's an interesting thing as you learn in those types of scenarios. 
So I've, I learned, you know, some interesting facets about relationships, but I wasn't afraid to not approach relationships again after that experience because that experience taught me something. I had three p- pivotal moments in my life that made me think something about my relationship with women. So, and this all builds into something, and I, I promise I'll get around to it for anybody who's watching live and or just watching the video. Uh, when I was in, I would say eight, maybe, no. No, I was closer to 11 years old. So our, my oldest brother, his name is Adam, he's, he's no longer with us. Uh, he had cerebral palsy. Now, my brother with cerebral palsy, he was bedridden my entire life. We had 24-hour nursing assistants. We had people that were at the house all the time. So my father had started seeing this woman that was at the house, and I had a crush on her, and so did my younger brother, and so did my older brother. So we stayed the night over at this woman's house, go out on the boat, go out and have a good time. And I woke up out of one of the, their, her daughters. It was actually, it was her son's room. Um, and I went out from there and I went into the living room and I'm like, you know what? I want to go sleep in, you know, in Linda's bed. So I went over and I, I heard my, my father and Linda engaging in something. Oh, you can kind of fill in the blanks. Um, but I told myself in that moment when I heard that, that immediately my heart sank. I knew what it was. I knew what was going on. And I just thought I felt unbelievably betrayed. So I went into her kitchen. I started cleaning and I did all this stuff. Did all of these things to try to make sure that her, you know, like I, I was dissipating stress. I was 11, roughly 11 years old. I really didn't have... Like, you know, I didn't know how to dissipate stress. Like I did it like a child prior to that. And then I was in there and I'm scrubbing away and I'm sweating. And I remember feeling the sweat roll down my face and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is insane. But I told myself at that moment, women don't care about me in the slightest bit. They don't care. I don't, I don't matter at all. So I wrote a note took a little piece of scotch tape and I walked over to the door with this little attitude. Like, I'm going to show you. I went right to the door, set the piece of paper against it. And I slapped the tape and I said, I'm out. <laughs> so I went and I, I walked out of the house with attitude. It was like three 30 in the morning, maybe four o'clock and walking down the street barefoot. But in the, I'm telling myself throughout the process that women don't care about me. Oh, that, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to make a difference in their life and, and and it doesn't matter. So my father pulls up and he tells me, you know, get in the truck. He convinces me to get into the truck. And I, I go back with them, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, my heart's broken at this point. It's the first time I actually really felt a broken heart. So I told myself that at that time. Now move into my high school years. I was a girl I was dating at the time. Her name was Paige. I absolutely thought I was in deep like this, this, I really felt like I was in love with this woman or this girl. Um, I was friends with her best friends. We had the same friends in our circle. You know, we were in the same high school, all of this stuff. And one day when we were sitting in the parking lot of a movie theater, she, after being together for, you know, like, you know, 
she lost her virginity to me, that kind of thing. You know, like you kind of create this like meaningful bond to a teenager, this, this really deep thing. And she tells me, Chad, and I'm thinking on bated breath, she's going to tell me she loves me. I can tell she's going to tell me that. And a lot of that's wishful thinking, right? Because I was feeling it. I was ready. I was locked and loaded. I was going to tell her right back. I love you too. And she goes, Chad, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, here it comes. Here it comes. This is it. This is that moment when you really get like, you know, like the, the romance novels talk about and all of the, the great feel good movies. Right. She goes, I want to tell you that every time that we've been together, I thought about your two best friends. And immediately I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I thought about your two best friends every time. And I'm like, what do you, wait, what, what? Like it's the exact opposite of what I thought I was going to hear. And at that moment it hit me. Women will destroy you. Like they'll just, they'll, they'll take every little bit of like care and love that you have and they'll just destroy you because they don't care. And then it built on this old narrative that I had about Linda when I was 11, 10 or 11, that and top of my head, I'm, I'm kind of forgetting the year that that occurred. And, uh, and then I'm like, you know, like they don't, I don't matter and they'll destroy me because I felt so much emotion collapse and just kind of die in the moment. And I kind of reconciled that a bit over time, but it just, I was, you know, spiteful and it was cynical and, you know, I was still a sweet, loving guy, but I was like, I started to push people out of my life at that point that would get into that emotional space, that intimacy that I had shared with Paige prior to that. And I realized that, you know, I'm like, I, I had no idea that this was going on. I was just kind of living into this thing. It was, I was being born into the world of heartbreak. So years go by. And uh, the people that knew know who I'm talking about with this. When I say Danielle is the girl that I was dating when I was in my 20s, early, early 20s. There's nothing, like, there's no harm, no foul. Like, they, we just grew up and we did what we did. But uh, we had a pretty uh, interesting relationship that became kind of controlling. And again, this is not to take away or make her a bad person. It's not at all. It's we were young and we were developing and, and learning life. But there was a lot of like, I need to know where you are. I need to know what you're doing. And it got to the point that I kind of had to lie to her so I could see my family. Now, this is the girl that I was with whenever I stopped smoking. Um, I used some of that energy from my upset or my frustration in the relationship to help me quit smoking. And I've not smoked since. I have no interest in smoking. I'm not putting anything out there to hurt who she is as a person or anything like that. Oh, I actually cherish her a great deal. Uh, it's more of just like you know the, the periods in our life when we kind of come up with something and we learn something about ourselves. And we start building a reality on that. And with this situation, I told myself three different things about women. And all it was is I just it was growing up in the wilds and it was the wilds of suburbia, right? No, no pun intended on the term of the, the, the show, but that is the intention of the show is to give like how we make up our meanings about things that happen in our life. And then we make up bigger meanings about how life is supposed to go. So I told myself these three different things about women. I didn't matter. They destroy me. And if they did have me in their life, they control me. 
So I didn't have a really strong narration going into relationships. If anything, I was dragging along this massive bit of baggage and I was abusing the people that came into my life with that baggage without even trying to. I was afraid and I was worried. And then somewhere after kind of living out the wilds of my 20s, um, I started to realize that there was more to life than to live out of the frustrations, the heartaches and the, 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 the hardships, the spitefulness and all of that. And I was doing everyone a disservice, including the people that I was unwilling to understand because I wasn't emotionally prepared to understand at the time. So then I started to live out into relationships in a different way. How to this current day, I, I live in a created relationship. I want them to be more meaningful in the way that I can be meaningful with those individuals or that person or those individuals. So it's a different thing now, but I'm daring to create it. I'm daring to live in a way that I actually can have something different. Now we can take it from relationships because a lot of us do, and, and apparently, you know, people do like it when I speak about relationships, but we can take it anywhere in our life. You know, we've tried something. I've, I've started and complete, I've, I've closed, started and closed three businesses in my life. I've worked in corporate America and I've worked in my own businesses. I've learned something in every single one of them. And there's not a moment that goes by that I don't learn something. I'm not stuck in the fear model where I don't want to experience something. Or I don't want to learn something. I don't want to develop. So with this is, you know, don't hold people's past against them. Learn from it. You know, and dare to live your life. You know, it's, you know, dare to know that you can lose the weight if you want to lose the weight, if that's what you need to do. Dare to know that you may be able to, you know, add an extra spend to your backflip or whatever the heck it is that you're doing, but you got to dare to try it. Not that you busted your face once and then you don't want to do it again. You know, you've got to fail your way into success. And that's what I've, I've been doing, you know, pretty much my whole life. I was second to youngest out of six boys. There's a whole hell of a lot of competition that takes place and a whole lot of failing especially with me being the outcast of the family and not looking like the rest of my brothers and being the one that my brothers would pick on and tell me that I was adopted. You know, um, and my father occasionally would tease me and say that I was the doctor's kid because I didn't look like my parents. I didn't look like my brothers. I do now in my, my, you know, now in my forties and, you know, but to an extent, but just get like, you got to fail forward. And I've done that, and I'm beyond grateful for the relationships that I've had experiences of in the past. So I know now because I freed myself with knowledge that you know, women do care, and that they're not out to destroy me, and that they're not out to control me, and that we all do what we do because that's how we've learned to live this life. But at least we're trying enough, and if you're with me in this journey, and, and it's not just my journey, it's your journey, we're, we're on this thing together you know, dare to live into it. You know, it's a really interesting place to be. You know, people think that wisdom is like as if it's something you're either born with or you don't have. And it's not the case. You know, knowledge is awesome but without power. Knowledge is nothing but trivial. And if anything, it can be more of a consequence versus a benefit or a negative and a cost to you versus a benefit. But if you have the ability to have a higher likelihood of predicting an outcome, and stay calm in the process or less reactive. That's what we start to refer to as wisdom. You have to just be willing to step into it. You know, it's not an accident that you become wise. You can say the accident is what may have been the initial, but it's the way that you view it and the, the hindsight that gives you the ability to 
possibly see patterns that expose something about the future. Oh, with that, I'm not convicted by my past relationships in that sense. If anything, again, I, I absolutely appreciate these people. Absolutely appreciate them. And there's more, you know, con uh, there's more challenges in the process, but, you know, the other things that went on, but they're not necessary for now. I don't need to enroll you in how, you know, upsetting and, and challenging each one of those scenarios were and, and the overcoming it as much as just know that I went through it. You know, for the people that have been involved in my life that do see this, you know, they know they I care. I do care. I care a great deal. And I want to see us all have something. You know, I want to see us all grow and develop. But it does take something to get there. You got to want to. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it's like kind of getting past, you know, a lot of things. You know, getting past all kinds of prejudices or getting past the, the, the things that you made up in your mind that there's something that means something there. Oh, I just got a, a flashback of getting punched in the face in fourth grade for no reason other than the fact that I was a white kid. I, I do not and, and will not in any way ever hold that against somebody. Actually, if anything, if I could run into him now, I'd buy him a beer. I'd, I'd want to know his childhood. I'd want to know his experiences. Why not? No, I happen to think that there's a lot of really good people out there, but sometimes we got to get out of our own damn way to see it. No, we're all going to get where we want to be if you just do it every single day, 1% to get there every single day. Keep trying, keep pushing. Yeah. Well, guys and gals, I appreciate your time. Uh, I'm going to be publishing the chat with Chad and, and Jim um, soon. I'm just doing some of the finishing up with some more of the, uh, the editing of it. It's not a whole lot of editing, actually. It's just product licensing and, and stuff that I need to finish up. Um, but I think that there's going to be a lot of values in that as far as like how to overcome an argument with somebody else in a way that you don't be, you're not the winner and neither are they, you know, and how to avoid straw manning people in arguments and how to steel man them for better understandings and not make such great divisions just simply because we want to win an argument. No. So that's, that's in that it's about an hour long video. And, and I think that, you know, if you guys enjoyed it as much as Jim and I did, you'll probably watch it a couple of times. So, uh, thank you guys, all of you so much. Share this video with the person in your life that, you know, can benefit from it. Oh, so, actually, you know what? I'm going to tell you one more story and then I'm gonna let you go. This is one that is one of those dare to, to, to try to create. So I was a bit of a, um, I was a little overweight in my youth. I, I refer to myself as being kind of chunky. You know, I wasn't exactly, a, you know, the stallion amongst men. You know, it wasn't anything like that. I was the, the cute, you know, gentle, and I was everybody's friend. And I wanted to be. I wanted to know people. So after I finished high school and I got into my uh, later teens, I started really lifting weights a lot. Now I started lifting weights in elementary, but you know, like watched Arnold Schwarzenegger and my older brother wanted to be a trainer and it kind of like how you create that. Right. Um, so I started doing these, like I worked my ass off. I, I really worked out hard and I tried everything I could, but I, I spent more time in the exercises and I did the diet and stuff like that. Cause I didn't know any better. I was a little kid. And there was a thing called Iron Dog, which is in Homosassa and Crystal River, Citrus County, that they were doing bodybuilding competitions, but they were novice level. They weren't amateur, nothing like that. It was not a, a high level regulation. There was no drug testing, anything like that. And I wasn't doing any drugs. The worst I did was um, 
Fedra. If anybody remembers that back in the day, probably create a little bit of harm there. Um, just, and it's like a hydroxy cut type thing is, you know, for people more modern day, I don't even know what the hell the energy supplements are anymore other than in a can, you know, soda like, um, so I did this bodybuilding competition. I did several of them to lead up to the finals and I was in pretty decent shape and you may find this funny and, and I hope you do because I thought it was funny at the time and I still laugh thinking back at it. Uh, so I finalized and I was going to the, the uh, to do the final competition and it was right on the river in Crystal River. And it, a beautiful layout and it was put on by um, a r- local radio station and somebody else that was doing uh, the Iron Dog competition um, so I finally finished, I was 20 and it was actually in the rules that you had to be 21 in order to compete. So I tried to get everybody in my family to go with me. Now, the only two people that ended up going with me was the girl I was dating at the time, Sonia and my best friend till still to this day, uh, my best friends, I was 20, it's 20 years later, uh, Adam, my, my, could not get my dad. I could not get my mom. I couldn't get my brothers. I couldn't get my childhood friends. I couldn't get anybody, my best friends other than Adam to go. And so we go to this thing, but the night before we're sitting out on the porch and on my, my parents' house in which I still lived there at the time. Cause I was, um, so sitting outside and I was, I was talking to my brother and one of my childhood friends that grew up right down the street from us. And, uh, they were having themselves a good time. And I was a little bit more straight edge at the time. And, uh, I'm like, guys, you should go. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll probably go Chad, whatever. And then, you know, they never really took me seriously. If anything, my younger brother was extremely sarcastic towards me at times. And this is one of those times. And they go, you should, you should stuff, you know, you should stuff some socks down your speedos, Chad. I'm like, one, I'm not wearing speedos. And two, at that time I used humor to be accepted. So I'm like, you know what? I might do that. And I thought about it overnight and we laughed about it on the front porch, but I thought about it overnight. And then in the morning, sure enough, I put on the shorts that I had to wear. I got ready and I grabbed a tube sock that was rolled into itself. And I stuffed that down my shorts. Uh, well, and we went out and I was in pretty good shape. If I even now to this day and separate myself, I probably should have taken third place. There was a big guy on there. It looked like Goldberg, if anybody knows who that guy is. You know, big dude like him. And there was this other guy that was just like 2% body fat, 235 to 240 pounds at five foot ten. The guy was obviously on steroids. So we're on this, we're in the this hotel room and we're getting ready to go out before you know we started doing our posing, right? And I've never posed, none of that stuff, right? I just the posing I did was in front of the mirror and it was not professional. Right. And um so like, I'm still young in this. I, I'm not used to having a body that people are like, oh, you look like you work out. I'm used to having a body where I'm kind of like, you know, hey, you know, eh. so I think this is a big thing for me. And I come from having social anxiety in my, my teen years in, through high school and in middle school and high school, I had a social anxiety it was actually pretty crippling. So this was a major thing. I had to put myself out there. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going after it. I'm going to dare to try this on. I want to experience something. So I, we're in this hotel room and it's mixed. They got women and men in there. And, and, and this guy, he comes over and I'm over against the wall. And I got these resistance bands. And I'm trying to get a good bicep pump on. And this guy comes over and he goes, hey, man, you look like you're in pretty good shape. And this guy, like, I look like a freaking child compared to him. This is this guy, Gary. And he's like, Are you do me a favor. And I'm like, all right, he's our, he's my competition. 
right? He goes, you do me a favor? And he hands me a bottle of baby oil. <laughs> you see where this is going. <laughs> he gives it to me and he goes, can you get my back? And now literally, this is about as far as he could go. So he needed help. <laughs> there are women all over this hotel room. Like, why do you want me to help? You know, I'm like 20 years old. This is back in like, you know, uh, let's see, that was uh, 99, 2000. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what? So he goes, hit my back, man. And I'm like, like, if either I comply and he's just like, okay, he's nice and he doesn't do any harm to me because he could probably physically harm me quite a bit at this point. And this is going through my head, right? And then I'm like, you know what? What the hell? I was like, all right, man. And it's like the most dainty, like there's a little bit of oil in his back and then my fingertips. And I'm like, you're good. <laughs> I didn't want to oil him up really good and then have him beat me because his back's shinier than mine. I didn't want to ask him to put oil on me. you know. And I'm sitting here looking at like, I don't know what the hell to do here. So I just did the best that I could. And I just look into the, like, the bathroom's doors open and the women are in there like oiling themselves. You know, they're bathing suit and all that. It's it's not like, you know, Caligula and debauchery and stuff. It's like, you know, everybody's in bathing suits. You know? And this guy's like, he's, he, I look in there and I'm like, why didn't you ask one of the girls to do it? I open up the front door and I'm already feeling self-conscious because this dude is freaking massive compared to me. You know, and then I open up the front door to this hotel room. There's a back door that goes straight out to the river where we're going to do our competition. And I open up the front door because I wanted to go out the front. And as soon as I open the door, here's this six foot three, 310 pound Goldberg looking son of a gun doing one arm push up with a girl sitting on his back. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? That guy should win this competition, which I believe he should have been second place. Gary, the guy that I just oiled up. Should have been one first place, in which he actually did. Um, so, and then here I am, and I'm like, oh God. You know, but I still, I'm like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I can't leave. So I decide to go ahead and go out. So we did the comp.